Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is the Built by Bama online podcast. It is Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL with you alongside Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job for us covering the Alabama Crimson Tide. We are coming off. A 4th of July weekend. We hope you had a good one. We hope you got through it safely. So many, so many potholes we're trying to avoid these days, right? Hopefully you had a good time. Hopefully uh, you got through it with all the digits in place. I got to tell you this, though, Charlie. You know, we're recording this thing on Sunday night, and I'm looking out the back doors of Casa de Ryer, and it still looks like Ellis Island on the 4th, you know, in 1976. Uh, around here we've got mortars going off you know we've got all kinds of fireworks do these people ever run out of pyrotechnics charlie yeah i mean that's the thing is it seems like they have a never-ending supply i know uh, on saturday (laughs) uh, around our neighborhood we live over close to the va so um there's just there was people shooting off fireworks until you know one two a.m in the morning and uh they're still we're not i don't think we're experiencing as much as you are now but uh they've been going pretty uh, hot and heavy and throughout the day on, on Sunday. So hopefully their supply will run out soon. But, um, you know, so far I haven't you know, I haven't heard any just huge explosions. I haven't seen anything caught on fire. I haven't heard any sirens. I think that's the yeah. big indicators. I, I haven't had any ambulances come by. So hopefully everybody has all their fingers and are staying safe. You know, there's a lot of folks out there. I know this is a very real thing with pets and yeah. – how traumatizing it can be for pets. I don't know if this impacts you, but you know, we have a 12 and a half year old Pomeranian. And the last time I checked on him tonight, he was sawing logs at the foot of our bed. So whatever (laughs) these pyrotechnics and these fireworks do to a lot of pets. And I, again, I understand it's a real thing for foo. it, it, It might as well be Tylenol PM. He sleep. He seems to sleep better with the fireworks, Charlie. That's funny. I've seen a lot of things on like Instagram and stuff, people that I know that have pets and, you know, they're, they're sharing, it's like the, the black cat logo, but how fireworks scare dogs and stuff. We don't have dogs. We have a couple of cats. We have our youngest cat, the one I got from my wife a couple of Christmases ago, he might as well be a puppy, but uh, he's more just intrigued. Like he'll sit on the back of the chair that's in front of the window and look out, but they haven't been too sheepish. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of scared of loud noises, but they're far enough away. We don't have them like directly on our street or anything like that, where it kind of just sounds like, um, you know, big and quick booms of thunder. So uh, I'm jealous of them sleeping through it, though. If we were taking a nap through it, that, that would be pretty nice. Yeah, I don't sleep as well as the the, the, the dog does, you know, through that <laughs> stuff. He's just totally uh, oblivious to what's going on right now. Now, I asked Hank South about this on our Friday podcast. And I'll pose the question to you. Was there anything specific in terms of the grill? Did you do anything? Burgers, dogs. Hank was going burgers and dogs. His lovely wife 
was doing a red, white, and blue sheet cake. I love the commitment to the holiday, by the way. Um, we did some stuff. We did like a smoked turkey breast that I poorly executed. I, I got to beat myself up about that one. Boston butt was fine. It's hard to screw up Boston butt. I know we had a really good thread uh, and continue to have right there on the round table. A lot of the folks chiming in on their 4th of July spreads because we like to get those grills going on the 4th. Was, was there anything stand out? That, that you guys uh, maybe did over the weekend from that perspective, Charlie? We didn't get too creative. We just went burgers, too. Um, yeah. It's just the, the two of us. We uh, I, I was with the family last weekend, so we were just, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty quiet and chill weekend. We cooked some burgers. We actually watched uh, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Got a little ah. there. But um, yeah. other than that, I mean, just some, some burgers. Uh, I know the wife's actually going to the beach this weekend so she's going to be making up some banana bread she's gotten really good at that um so i get to to get the the remnants and the the luxury of that but pretty much just a you know typical just sure out week here at the Potterhouse. You, you can't go wrong with just good burgers man you know those, those satisfy everybody um you know we we actually just got on some floats in lake tuscaloosa saturday and sunday just kind of hung out. It was low key. It was chill. It was chill anyway, Charlie, till about two o'clock or so Sunday afternoon, you know, because Nate Oates and Brian Hodgson, they apparently aren't going to give us any type of time off year round when it comes to college basketball recruiting. And how about the pickup and the sort of meteoric rise? I know that Alex Chiku, the 6'11 forward, uh, did reclassify to the class, I guess, of 2020. But still, uh, these guys are somewhat stealthily in their approach too, Charlie, because it'll it'll get quiet a little bit, and then suddenly here comes a guy like Chaku. Next thing you know, in about a span of three or four days, it's hot and heavy, and there he is, is Alabama's fifth commitment on Sunday. And you know, I know you covered this on the on the website for us in the, in the immediate aftermath of Chiku's commitment to Alabama. But, you know, we've been wondering about John Petty and his intentions for the NBA draft and how the math is going to work with the 13 scholarships. And I think this adds even more intrigue to that, right? It does. And, you know, when we saw uh, Alabama kind of add to its roster, um, you know, close to the, I guess the normal signing period, we saw them take, four additional players on top of Keon Elbrus Hilton. And then we kind of saw guys hit the, the transfer portal. That could be the case here too, where you just have a guy that's a late addition, a guy that just reclassified to the 2020 class that you can't pass up. I and mean, he's a top mm-hmm. 60 player. Uh, I believe he's six eleven, can score everywhere on the floor. He's just a monster in transition. And I don't know how you really tell a guy no uh, like that. And, you know, it, it could be a telling sign of, you know, what John Petty's leaning toward doing. I know that Nate Oates has touched on that um, pretty recently. I believe he spoke with uh, Wimp and Barry Sanderson on their radio show on Tide 100.9. But um, basically that this could be a situation where he waits until the deadline. That keeps seemingly getting pushed back um, you know, further and further as the NBA is still kind of up in the air in terms of what they want to do. It seems like that gets pushed back on a you know, biweekly basis at times. But you know, Petty still has plenty of time to, to think about it. Um, I don't really know really – how much more feedback you can get because you're not able to work out in front of teams, but he is taking his time with the process. And I know that they will gladly take him back. And at this point, if he comes back uh, with the addition of Chaku, um, you got to, 
you know, tell someone to, to look elsewhere because you're one over the, the scholarship limit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, with, with a guy like this wanting to come on board, you can't tell him no. And, you know, it's a great addition and it gives Alabama six newcomers and um, you, you got to tip your, your hat to Brian Hodgson, the job that he's done. And really you know, this staff and what they've done in this recruiting cycle, they've been global. I mean, you know, Chikou's a, a French native. They've had two guys from Canada, um, you know, they, they don't sign a player from in the state. They go out and get a guy from the JUCO ranks, a guy from Florida. So they've been all over the map. But um, I think that just shows, you know, the the type of player that they're trying to attract and the levels that they'll go to to get him now in Alabama. And like I said, I mean, when a guy like this wants to commit, uh, it's hard to say no to him. Yeah, five signees and, of course, the grad transfer and Jordan Bruner from Yale. So you're talking about essentially your scholarship roster there. Um, with with the guys coming in again, Bruner a, a, a one and done. You got a junior college guy in Keon Ellis that'll be around. Uh, you anticipate for a couple of years, so you know it's kind of staggered that way too between junior college grad transfer, uh, high school guys, and really again reclassification. I mean we've seen this with Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, a couple of years ago. Josh Primo, another one of those guys in this class that moved from the 2021 cycle to 2020. And amazingly, when you ask around, I asked around a little bit on Sunday to some folks that really follow this closer than, than I do. Travis Branham of the 247sports.com network, chief among those folks. And uh, the two guys they want to talk about the most are the guys that are reclassifying. And that's Josh Primo. And Alex Chaku. And, um, you know, it's it's you're right. It, it's going to be fascinating to see how this this bookkeeping sort of plays out from here. And, and is this an indicator with John Petty? And, and I agree wholeheartedly, by the way, when you get six eleven dudes like this that want to come on board, it's a lot different than the sort of uh, six foot guys that are out there that are tons of those guys. When you get six eleven talent that wants to come on board like this, uh, you, you try to you try to figure it out. And um, Chiku, you're right, from Paris, France, originally, I believe a late bloomer, so to speak, just started playing basketball three or four years ago. So the upside is immense, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I think, if anything, it just ramps up the expectations even more. I know checking out the roundtable, the fan perspective, some of the media already you're seeing, on social media is that maybe this becomes a top three, top four type team in the SEC. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. I still need to see, you know, Tennessee still got Eve's Ponds that's still sort of contemplating his status, I think, for the upcoming season. That could certainly impact the balls a great deal. Uh, Kentucky, you always expect to be in that first spot. Um, you know, Florida is typically going to be in that mix uh, as well. Auburn, obviously. So I don't know if I'm ready to say top three yet, Charlie, where, where are you willing to go with this roster as it sits right now? I think the potential is really strong. It's just, there's just so many question marks. I mean, you look at the the roster and I know Nate Oates, um, you know, pretty quickly after the, the season ended that he said that the roster is going to look significantly different and boy, he wasn't lying. I mean, you look at it, you only have, uh, you have Herbert Jones returning. That's huge. Jaden Shackelford, Javian Davis, Alex Reese, those are the only guys returning that saw minutes last year. I mean, John Petty, of course, if he comes back, you can add him to the mix. Best four players. The rest are essentially, uh, or our newcomers are essentially newcomers because you got to take into account Javon Quinterly. 
James Rojas, Jawan Gary. So you're looking at nine players that didn't see a single minute in a game last year. Um, I think this team is really talented. I think if they can, you know, gel and mesh together, they can be really special. And of course, you got to have guys stay healthy. That was really the bugaboo uh, for the roster last year. But they have the pieces in place, I think, to really compete in the SEC. You know, Kentucky's going to be there, and uh, you know, Auburn's going to be good. Tennessee, Florida, uh, you're going to have the usual suspects up there. But I think what Nados and his staff have done, they've been able to bring in the talent to put them in contention. So. Yeah, we'll see how they come together. Uh, but, you know, it's just there's so many new faces that right now it's just kind of a, a work in progress and I guess to be determined situation. Yeah, you watch Shaku's sort of highlight tape and his clips and he is sort of the epitome of that Euro four. A guy that at 6'11", you think about maybe in terms of size is being a post guy, not the bulkiest guy in the world around 200 pounds, but. You watch him shoot the three, you watch him off the dribble, you watch the mid-range game. You talked about his ability to finish uh, extremely well in transition. And, uh, and and this sort of fits, right, with Nate Oates in that it's kind of positionless basketball. Because look at the different sort of lineups we saw. Some of it out of necessity in year one under um, Nate Oates as the fireworks boom outside here um but but it's hard to i guess the point is it's hard to pigeonhole guys right when it comes to positional basketball because this is exactly the kind of guy that he wants at pretty much every spot on the floor yeah and you look at last year i mean they were limited in that uh, guy that can play multiple positions on the wing i mean herbert jones fit that mold but juan gary and james rojas guys that are going to fill that and now they get them back and you add guys like a Chiku um, you know Jordan Bruner is more of a true big but you know maybe he does a little bit of that Keon Ambrose Hilton I think he's in that mold too so they they were really lacking that last year and now you just get <laughs> an immense wave of depth uh, at the position and really I, I agree with you I think um, you know we talk about it a lot in football in terms of like the secondary and maybe at linebacker a guy's turning into more positionless players, but it's really becoming the case in basketball, especially in NATO's system. And so, uh, you know, he likes to play a lot of guards. He likes to play small. Uh, so really, if you look at the roster, there's not a true center. I know JV and Davis might fit that, but he's listed even as a forward on the roster. But uh, I think they're going to really, uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they mix and match these lineups because they have guys that can play multiple positions on the floor. I mean, look at, look at Herb Jones. I mean, he's a guy that played, uh, some point guard exactly. back and he played even at the five. So I think Chiku's also a guy that can do that. I don't know if we're going to see him carry the ball up the court much, but uh, he's shown that in the clips that I've seen that he can handle the ball. He can pass dribble and shoot. And that's really a prerequisite for anybody that wants to play in this NATO system. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the latest addition fits the mold. And um, I think it just gives them a luxury of a bunch of guys that can play a bunch of different spots. And it'll be interesting to see how they work them all together. Gives them some more length defensively, too, right? Um, when you have a versatile guy like this, you know, we see these clips. We don't see a lot of 6'11 guys in these highlight tapes getting into stances and just playing straight up man for man defense. That's not what gets clicks on these tapes. But we also know that Nate Oates, despite the fact that Alabama had its struggles at times on the defensive end of the floor, it's a non-negotiable. you you got to be able to defend um, and especially in man-to-man type situations. And we keep waiting, we keep looking, we keep trying to sort of uh, read the tea leaves in this John Petty situation. We thought maybe Nike Sabande 
the transfer from Miami of Ohio a few weeks ago might be that guy, sort of a like for like there, even though Sabande is going to sit out the upcoming season. Um, but it's uh, it's Alex Chiku that uh, is now a part of this Alabama program, committed and was expected to sign, right? He was going to sign on Sunday to go. It was going to be pretty much done, I believe, on Sunday. I would reach out to media relations because they're the ones that are going to put out the press release when that's a go. And uh, they said that they would expect it uh, on Monday at the earliest. So, um, you know, by the time this is up and everybody's listening to it, I mean, who knows? The the letter of intent will be in, but it doesn't sound like they have any hesitations or worries about that. So that should come in uh, later today. Uh, If not, it'll be in sometime this week. You mean they're not going to come in off the lake or maybe off the pool <laughs> to head over to Coleman Coliseum and, and finalize those things on a holiday weekend? Yeah, we'll see uh, how it all plays out. Looks to be a done deal, uh, certainly with Alex Chiku. Uh, we're going to head to a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some what ifs. I'm not going to Colt McCoy this thing up. All right. I'm not going to turn it into if Tua hadn't gotten hurt or any of that. It's just fascinating to consider with Tua Tonga Vailoa. Now that we have had a chance to sort of take our breath, look back on just uh, what seemed like a three-year stretch that took all of maybe seven or eight minutes to complete. It was fleeting. Um, So much success individually, a national championship that he was a big part of, obviously, but also a lot of what-ifs, not just in relation to Tua Tagovailoa directly, but some other individuals that Tua um, sort of impacted or impacted Tua. We'll talk about that when the Built by Bama online podcast returns right here. Travis Ryer joined by Charlie Potter back with more right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Charlie, let's get into some Tua what-ifs. And, you know, I don't want to turn this thing into a potathon, but you really could because you can start with his recruitment, really, Charlie. And at one point, as we know, Alabama had Jake Fromm committed. And it looked like Jake Fromm was going to come over from the state of Georgia and perhaps be that top quarterback recruit in what turned out to be a two-signal caller class in 2017. But Jake Fromm decommits from Alabama, flips to Georgia, and then a very short time later, Tua Tonga-Vailoa commits to Alabama. Mac Jones would fill out that quarterback one-two punch uh, a little bit later on. So those were your two quarterbacks um, for the class of 2017 at Alabama. Um, you know, I, I guess I start even more so with Georgia on this because you think about from 
going to Georgia as a true freshman. Jacob Eason gets hurt early in that season. Fromm jumps in there. They play real solid offensive football for the remainder of the season, win the SEC championship, end up, as we know, taking on Alabama in the college football playoff national championship game. So there's a what if for you right there that doesn't even necessarily really involve um, Tua and Alabama. It's more does if Jake Fromm doesn't flip to Georgia, does uh, does Georgia get to Atlanta for that championship game? Yeah, I mean, it, there's so much of a, a trickle effect from this, and and I don't think they do just because I mean, in this scenario, you just you have Jacob Eason getting injured, and the, what do they do? Who do they turn to? Um, you know, there's just a lot of question marks there, and you know, I think he did a really great job as a true freshman of you know taking that offense and continuing to lead them and to get them to Atlanta uh, and get them to the college football playoff is it's just remarkable what he did then. Um, you know, he was, he's a game manager. He did what they needed, but even, you know, playing against Alabama in that national championship game, you know, Jake Fromm was making some really great throws before they kind of took their foot off the, the gas. So, um, yeah, I think that really helped that offense and that team stay afloat after the uh, starting quarterback went down with injury. Uh, obviously, we know how everything played out there. So I think if Fromm isn't in Athens, you got to wonder who they're going to bring in. I didn't follow their recruiting process that closely to see who their next available target was. But with Easton going down and no Fromm in town, you you got to think that George is probably not in that picture. What about Jerry Judy? He comes in in that 2017 class. And, you know, at the opening that summer, Tua and Judy teamed up in those competitions out there and seemingly formed a pretty strong bond. Now, do you think that the pipeline was already strong enough from South Florida with those wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, that regardless, if it's Jake Fromm that ends up sticking with Alabama, Jerry Judy's still the guy? Or is it at least fair to wonder if that would have been the case had Tua not ended up in Tuscaloosa? Yeah, it's always fair because recruiting, man, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, as, as Tim Watts says all the time on the board, it, it's a fluid situation. But <laughs> um, it is it is something to wonder about. I think, though, the like you said, the pipeline that Alabama has established down to Florida really helps him. He's a guy that's really close with uh, Calvin Ridley and, and seeing the success that he's had at Alabama and you know, hearing his testimonials, seeing what a guy like Amari Cooper did, I think that really helps. And, uh, you know, I mean, Jake Fromm's not a slouch. I believe he, when you look at the quarterback rankings for that 2017 class, he's ranked right behind Tua. So, uh, you know, they're not bringing in some, you know, bum off the street. And uh, I, I don't think it's, you know, I think the relationship that he was able to establish with Tua uh, throughout that recruiting process, same goes for Ruggs and, and Devontae Smith, uh, really helped uh, them kind of solidify that class and bring in, which is what was amazing offensive hall that year but you know, it does you know bring about the question I think at the end of the day though with what Alabama's had uh you know coming from South Florida and the success that they've had with receivers going to the next level that Judy probably ultimately ends up in Tuscaloosa but yeah I mean whenever you're jumping down this rabbit hole I mean it's a fair question to ask you know it makes me wonder with those wide receivers because you got to look at it from that perspective too as great as Tua was and is and and all those things I mean, there's no denying as we've talked about many times, the people he had to work with on the offensive side of the ball. I wonder if Jake Fromm sits around and wonders what if he had stuck with Alabama (laughs) and had those wide receivers, because that was a real issue for Jake Fromm and Georgia the last couple of years, especially, and certainly in 2019, just didn't have the firepower offensively. I know this, the scheme was panned largely. It was 
uh, outdated uh, plotting, I guess, at best. But I wonder if Jake Fromm wonders that sometimes as well. How about this scenario? How, how about this what if? If Jake Fromm sticks with Alabama, knowing what we know now, seeing what we have seen, do you think Jake Fromm unseats Jalen Hurts similar to what Tua Tonga Vailoa did going into the 2018 season? That's a tough one. Um, yeah, I know that we watching Jalen. I mean, he struggled passing the ball um, a little bit, and, and Fromm's that pocket passer. I mean, he's the guy that can go out there and he'll manage the game and get you up and down the field. I mean, he's not going to wow you uh, with things that Tua can do, but he's efficient. So, I mean, he's a safe choice. I, I think that you know, with the whole Tua and Jalen situation, is he a, is is he a big upgrade on Mac Jones with what we've uh, seen? You think? Um, I, I think he was probably more college ready. I mean, I think we've seen Mac Jones Early, he yeah. as Ronnie kid and he was a developmental guy. And now he's added that right. muscle. He's added that confidence. And that's something he didn't have early on. I mean, we've talked a lot about the, the emotion that he played with on the practice field and how he had to kind of, you'll get past that. But I think with, with Jake Fromm and with Jalen, um, we just saw the loyalty and the respect that Nick Saban had for Jalen. I mean, Jalen was SEC offensive player of the year as a true freshman. Um, you know, he had the uh, plenty of athletic ability. I don't know with with Jake Fromm and just his reliable playing style, if that's the, the switch that you make um, in the second half of a national championship game, just because two is – I mean, everyone saw in the practice field, all the players knew it. They had the confidence in him to go out there and to make plays to win a game. I think Jake Fromm could do that, but that's still a situation where is he that big of a wow factor to be able to make that bold of a move in, in that situation? Of course, you're not, you know, what we just outlined, Jake Fromm's in Tuscaloosa, so Georgia's likely not in that game. You, you factor in they're probably playing Oklahoma at that point. Um, so Oklahoma doesn't have that great of a defense. They might not be in that situation. I mean, you're, you're digging your, yourself into a bunch of what ifs in this regard. But I, I think for me, I would probably still side with Jalen. But I don't know. That one's yeah. more of a toss-up. I say, I go with Jalen. I think Jalen rides it out through 2019. Um, and with that, if Rom's still around, he's essentially Mac Jones. Going into the 2020 season, think about it that way. Fromm was a three and out at Georgia, and if he doesn't, if he comes to Alabama, he doesn't beat out Jalen. You know, perhaps there's even last season there's a way they're able to, or the season before, or the, with the four game rule, they're able to salvage a year. And Jake Fromm could be a fourth year junior at Alabama right now, and that would make you wonder about maybe where Mac Jones is. If it had played out that way, maybe Mac Jones is somewhere like Georgia Tech going into his first season as a starter. Who knows? Boy, Nick Saban would love all these hypotheticals, wouldn't he, Charlie? Would his oh, ears yeah. be bleeding right about now with all these? I mean, I, this, this this would have been canceled about five minutes ago, right, with Nick? When you said this, I was thinking, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's not really podcast savvy. I know that uh, some of the guys in his uh, relations office probably listen to it, and they're probably, you know, trying to keep it away from him as much as possible. But, I mean, it's all in good fun. Nothing that we've said so far has been detrimental it, to Alabama. No, it's – no, and it's it, – exactly. I mean, and we're not, we're just getting started, by the way, Nick, <laughs> if you do happen to podcast. So uh, it might be a good time to check out. But – so here's another question. If, if Rom sticks with Alabama, Jalen's the guy through 2019, what's Alabama's ceiling last year? Is it the same 
perhaps as it would have been. I mean, obviously, Tua with the injuries, that changed a lot of things. But, look, Alabama's biggest problems in 2019 weren't on the offensive side of the ball or even depth at quarterback because Matt Jones played well enough in games to win. Um, so what, where, where, where do you see Alabama 2019 with Jalen, um, compared to maybe what they ultimately did with two at 11 and two. That's interesting too, because the, the defense was the, the big bugaboo. Obviously, I think if you have a healthy Tua in the iron bowl, that one's different. Um, you know, with, with Jalen, if he continues to make the progress that we kind of saw from him, uh, going into that last year at Alabama and then what he did at Oklahoma, uh, you think the offense can you know, put up plenty of points. I mean, they did whenever uh, he was a true freshman and, and going into that sophomore season as well. So um, you wonder about the LSU game, you know, with no Dylan Moses, with no Josh McMillan, with no LeBron Ray. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of a lot of question marks there still. Can can Jalen lead the offense to enough points to outdo outdo um, Joe Burrow and company? I mean, that remains to be seen. I think the Iron Bowl maybe is the more intriguing question. Uh, just because I think, you know, like, you oh, said, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm <laughs> getting there. Trust me. I, I know that the pick sixes are what a lot of people like to hang their hat on. But I mean, Mac Jones still did plenty in that game yeah. to, to win it. Uh, so with with Jalen, um, you know, if he continues to make that progress as a passer, can it be enough to beat Auburn at Auburn with a defense that's, you know, not as uh, living up to the standards that we've seen of, of Alabama under Nick Saban? I mean, who knows that that one's. To me, I think it might end in the same result. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that one's that one's tough. You, you factor in, you have so many weapons on offense. You have those four receivers. You have a Najee Harris who was running out of his mind toward the end of last season. Um, it, can Jalen make enough plays with his legs to to keep drives alive and things like that? I mean, who knows? Um, I, I think that it's a it's an interesting question, but I think more or less, I'd probably lean toward the the same result. But I, I don't know. That's another one that's kind of a toss-up for me. If Tua Tonga-Vailoa plays against Auburn in 2017 and 2019, is Gus Malzahn still the head coach at Auburn? <laughs> that's How about that what if? That's an unbelievable stat to, to really say out loud. I think I saw a tweet that was going around. is like, what is your most mind-blowing you know, sports stat? Is the fact that Tua only played Auburn once in his entire collegiate career. Yeah, uh, and that is that is so mind blowing. I think that's something that Alabama fans, especially um, you know last season, just because it was such a close game. Um, yeah, I, I think that <laughs> Tua could have could have done some damage. That's for sure. Um, and I don't think Gus, I don't think Gus is still at Auburn. No, I mean if, well, if Tua if Tua plays in the two road games, I don't, nope. I don't think he is. I think nope. he's gone. We've talked a lot about it a lot with Alabama. November is a critical month for the team's success. You could say the same for for Auburn. They, except for you know this coming season, you know fingers crossed that it yeah. happens. You faced Georgia and Alabama in the last month of the season, and if you can't beat Alabama for three years in a row, and you're just kind of putting together some seven, eight, nine win seasons, I I think that's probably I would agree with you just because it's it's already a, a rocky road as it is, and now you add on three straight losses to your um, in-state rival with a, a stud quarterback. I mean, that one's that one's a lot easier to answer just because, and like I said, it, it's so crazy. And I think that's one of the things Alabama fans will look back on the most and just be like, man, you know, Tua only played against Auburn once. And, of course, he did uh, plenty of damage that one year in 2018. But, yeah, I, I would probably agree with you that, you know, you would be looking at a new head coach down the plains. Yeah, that's what's so crazy because if you look at the record books for Alabama – 
you would think Tua played in 40 games, you know, because of what the numbers are. Uh, But he had 24 career starts. That's it. You know, that's it. 24 career starts. And I guess, Charlie, pretty much right. You can pick a a passing category and and you're going to see Tua's name there at the top. Yeah, if you look at uh, just career touchdowns, career passing touchdowns, whether it's game, season, you know, full length of a career, he's at the top. Um, the the big one for me is the career passing yards. That one's the with this whole what if situation. Um, in those uh, twenty four starts, and of course he had some some games coming in as a backup in that true freshman season in twenty seventeen. He had uh, seventy four hundred and forty two yards. AJ McCarron's at the top of that list with nine thousand and nineteen. So two is a little more than fifteen hundred yards away from being the career uh, all time leading passer just in terms of yardage. And throw in I don't know what, four, five starts, and, and Tua's got that. And yeah. uh, you can do that with just the injuries alone almost. And, you know, if he gets a, the nod a little earlier in that freshman campaign, he obliterates that record. And it's probably one that's going to be hard to pass unless you have a four-year starter. Say a guy like Bryce Young comes in and gets the, the starting job as a true freshman and stays around for four years. That's not going to happen if that's what uh, pans out. But you would have to have a situation like that. So – um, I just think that when with his name is at the top of so many records, um, but if he's healthy and gets a few more games under his belt, I mean, he's at the top of every one of them when it comes to passing categories. Here's a what if for you. If Tua doesn't go to Alabama, where are Mike Loxley and Talia Tonga Vailoa right now? They're both at Maryland together now. Um, but I know with Mike Loxley, you start with, sort of the rebranding of himself that he did here, like so many coaches we've seen in the Nick Saban era, especially the last eight or nine years, where you know, kind of on the coaching scrap heap, for lack of a better way of putting it, more so in terms of head coaches, not so much just, you know, people that are out of the game altogether. But, um, uh, you know, you can, we talk about Gus Malzahn and how he's been impacted, but yeah, Brian Dable went on to become the, Offensive coordinator of the uh, of the Buffalo Bills. You've got Locks now uh, up at Maryland. Um, it, it's interesting to consider sort of the the coaching. Not that it's Tua's coaching tree, but how he sort of impacted guys on, on those coordinator levels too. Yeah, I mean, you always look good whenever you're behind one of the best offenses in the country when you have a quarterback like that and a receiving core to, to back it up. But, you know, I think that's interesting. You know, with, with Loxley in 2018, if, if two is not at Alabama, and like we line, outlined earlier, if, if Jalen's a starter, if you can get Jalen to take those steps that we kind of saw um, – mm-hmm then I think you deserve to get a job in that just because, you know, everybody saw Jalen as that dual threat passer that was more run first. If you can get him to kind of wean off of that and to develop into a really progressive passer, I mean, I still think it plays out the same way. I mean, Maryland is a place that, you know, it's not a blue blood program. He's not going to a place like an LSU or Georgia. Um, So, and, and it's a place that he has ties to. It's a place that wants him. Uh, If, if that's his ultimate goal, I mean, I still think he can get there. Now, Talia, that's a different story because I think if Tua doesn't end up at Alabama, he's probably at USC. He said that many a times. I think right. the family was probably on board with that, and you're closer to the home in Hawaii. I mean, I, I think that Talia is somewhere on the West Coast and probably in Southern California. So uh, I think Loxley, you know, if, if you can take the offense and 
um, you know, progress with Jalen and, and develop, develop him as a player, you probably end up in the same spot. But you know, I don't, I don't see a Talia ending up in Alabama at that point. Yeah, and see, man, we can go to SC with this thing and Tua, and how does that impact Clay Helton as a head coach? Uh, does Graham Harrell end up at SC in the offensive coordinator role? Does JT Daniels go to SC? What about Keaton Slovis? See what I'm saying, man? This thing could go well into the <laughs> early hours of Monday morning if we keep going down all these different rabbit holes. One that, uh, you know, and this goes back to the Auburn game. And what I do wonder as much as anything is – with Tua playing, knowing what Mac Jones did against that Auburn defense. Um, if Tua doesn't play against Mississippi State, Nick holds him out, and he's good to go for Auburn and is able to play against Auburn. And kind of understanding the sort of narrative with Alabama going into that Auburn game, even there at 10-1 and one and right there on the cusp, the, the edge of being a fourth team in the college football playoff, if if Tua doesn't play against Mississippi State, does Alabama make the college football playoff instead of, say, Oklahoma, Charlie? That's tough because you, you got to think, does the defense do anything else to, to slow Auburn down? Because it's going to be a high-scoring match. I mean, Alabama scored 45 points, but Auburn scored 48. I think with but Tua, does Tua throw the pick sixes? And, and look, true. one, one of them was it. One of them was a total fluke. I get it. I mean, I know it went off Najee's back, but and Tua wasn't totally intercept or turnover proof, especially when he was hurt. We saw it against LSU when he was less than 100%, right? Turned the ball over a couple times. Playing devil's advocate, though, too, you got to think with, with Tua in that offense, they're scoring at a rocket pace. I and think Tua would have thrown for 600 yards against Auburn. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah, but I'm then not, I mean, how, how many I mean, plays are that is that defense on the field too? Um, yeah, that's I, true. I think, but I mean, they might have scored too. seventy. I think they might have scored seventy with Tua. Yeah, at I mean, Jordan Harris Stadium. Really? I, I think no, sixty is completely in the ballpark. Sure. But then you got to. They scored fifty-five against Auburn here in two thousand fourteen with Blake Sims, <laughs> and that's no knock on Blake. Blake had a hell of a year. Blake, one of my all-time favorite seasons for an Alabama player, right? But I really think they score at least 60 at Auburn. So even if Tua had thrown a couple pick sixes, I don't know if it would have mattered. No, yeah. I mean, I think with, with Tua, you just pick your score. I know, um, you know Auburn's got had that great defensive line, but, I mean, Mac Jones and company scored 45 points uh, at yeah. all. So, yeah, I mean, at that rate, you pick your score, but then you, know, you, you think that the defense is still going to give something up. I mean, that's – we're not – we don't have a magic eraser to take that away. No, we uh, don't. And, you know, it, it just – I know that um, I know that the, the offense, Auburn's offense, didn't just, you know, do just a ton of outstanding things, but when they needed to make plays on third down, they did. They did. And so if it's – say it's, I don't know, 63-35. You go into Auburn, you know, you win by 28 points or whatever. You know, I know Nick Saban knows I'm not good at math, but – is that is four touchdowns on the road at Auburn with a healthy Tua enough to get you in the playoff? Maybe. I mean, Oklahoma's not exactly going out there and shutting people out from a defensive standpoint. Um, you know, do they want to have Tua? If Tua is available and they put sixty three on Auburn, I don't know how you keep them out. 
Uh, I mean, yeah. I know how you keep them out. I know how you do it. But come on. And we have the hindsight of knowing that Oklahoma should have its college football playoffs uh, privileges suspended for at least a span <laughs> of five years yeah. after the LSU. And, that's and that's, that's the hindsight, though. That's the hindsight we have right now. I think, too, what helps is that you have you eliminate the possibility of having another all-SEC national championship game because you have Alabama sure. as the fourth seed, and they'd be playing LSU, which would have been just bonkers. Um, and you saw Alabama lose by five to yeah. LSU. With a, with a banged up to it. With a one-legged so, quarterback. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would give them the nod. It just felt like going into that game, even with Mac Jones, that if Alabama got the job done, that they would have got in. And if you win by four scores on the road with a Tua that shows that he's healthy, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree that, that Alabama gets in. It's just, I mean, you never know with those kind of things. I mean, it's it's politics. It's, it's, it's views. And I know Alabama draws that, but, you know, who knows? Fatigue. The fatigue yep. is real, right, Charlie? I think exactly. it is. It is. Um, so we get to the NFL draft, and this is another what if with Tua because a healthy Tua Tonga Vailoa gives Alabama something it hasn't had in the modern era, perhaps, right? A healthy Tua Tonga Vailoa who has a 14 to 15 game resume in his second year as a starter, does he go number one overall, in your opinion, instead of Joe Burrow? Yeah, I think this is easier for me than the the college football playoff is just because you don't have that hip injury looming over him. You have him going out and competing and and, um, expectedly playing at a high level, and he's done it for two seasons. We saw what he did coming in in the second half of the national championship game. Um, You know, the ankle injuries are you know probably brought up, but the hip is just something that looms so large, and it only dropped him to number five. Like you know, I know that. Leading up to the draft, there were a lot of question marks and people saying, well, maybe does he drop out of the top 10? No, he dropped to number five. And I think the Chargers would have been more than happy to scoop him up at number six. So if he doesn't have that hip injury, he doesn't have all those question marks from an injury standpoint, then, yeah, I think that especially if if they go in to the if they make it to the college football playoff and they somehow beat LSU and Joe Burrow, then, yeah, I think that he's he's the number one pick. The guy went fifth overall with a dislocated hip and and uh, fractured posterior wall in his hip. He went fifth overall. I, 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 it, it, if he's good to go, if the only thing he's got are a couple of ankles that have been tightrope prepared, uh, I, I think he goes number one overall. And so, you know, again, so many. Do I sound like do I sound like uh, Colt McCoy's dad yet? You know, <laughs> have I reached that point? Charlie, please, please let me know if I do. No, not yet. I mean, only a little bit of it was talking about the injury. <laughs> so we, we went back to recruiting and decisions that had to be made. So, so not yet. But the thing is, too, is now that you look at it, now we know what everything happened. I mean, does Tua go to ended up going to a better situation than Joe Burrow being in Cincinnati compared to, to Miami? I think he does. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to two crappy teams I mean go to South Beach I know you're gonna to have to play in New England and, and Buffalo and New York three times a year but at least you're living down on South Beach absolutely no doubt about it. and I love Cincinnati I love everything about Cincinnati except that crappy skyline chili that Mike Casagrande <laughs> thinks is the cats everything but that I had to get that in there on Cincinnati you knew I had to do that absolutely surely. 
Well, I think uh, we could, again, We and by the way, we're going to put this in the thread there on the roundtable for, for Monday. And if you've got any what-ifs you want to throw in there, because I, I, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure we could make this a, a pot-a-thon just on Tua if we wanted to. It's just amazing to consider that sitting there together in that press box at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, in January 2018, Charlie, and Tua hits Devontae Smith. If I had told you, look, I'm going to set the over-under for national championships for Alabama with Tua Tagovailoa at one and a half. How many people you think would have taken the over on the one and a half? Yeah, any degenerate in that press box. Spot would have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, we saw what he was able to do facing that deficit uh, against a, a damn good Georgia yeah. team. And it, yeah. he made it look easy. And the thing is, he made mistakes. He's a true freshman, and he's on that stage for the right. first time. He just bounced back and acted like it was no big deal. I loved his response about you know taking the sack on first downs because he needed more room to throw. I mean, it's, he's that yeah. kind of guy. He's he's a player that doesn't come along very often. So yeah, I mean, I think anybody um, you know that's a petty man would have would have taken that happily. Well, it's the Built by Bama online podcast, and we appreciate you joining us. If you haven't already. Please give us a subscription to the Built by Bama online podcast. If you don't mind, leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated as well. Charlie, thanks for taking time out of your holiday weekend Sunday night to make the magic happen. Oh, man, it's always good to catch up, especially with fun topics like that. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that one. And we got some good stuff coming up this week for you at BamaOnline.com. And with recruiting being what it is, not just in football, but basketball. I think basketball is about, yeah, and baseball. (laughs) But basketball has got to be full at this point. But football is really just getting going with, what, 10 commitments? Still plenty of room for Nick Saban and his staff to get things done. And a lot of buzz around Alabama's growing momentum on the commitment front when it comes to football. So you're going to want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for that as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.